0: How can come to Texas and not like Texas? That is a, that's a message right there, right? We went to Texas and all we talked about was Oklahoma. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you, Pastor Chris Shin, for having me. It's great to be here. Um, Pastor Adam, of course. They're like family. And my, my, my mom is here, Ms. Brown. Give a hand for her. Ms. Brown, raise your hand right there. There you go. Mom, Miss Brown is there. Some of you are like, bewildered, like, how could she be my mom? You have to ask her. So, okay. I won't take long today. Uh, it is great to be here. I love this church. Um, every time I come, I'm encouraged and I'm edified. Uh, I think Pastor Chris used the name great too much to describe me. I think the word present would be a good word. I'm here. <laughs> Let's all stand. I like to stand to honor the Bible um, and I've come to learn that this church loves the Bible so for that reason alone I love coming here um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 Matthew chapter 4 yes, we'll start with uh, verse 18 when you get there you can give me a big Texas hallelujah, hallelujah. was that a Texas hallelujah? that sounded like a I don't know, Wyoming, hallelujah? <laughs> it might have been Virginia, hallelujah? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I know it's, it's Sunday morning, when of you guys are still waking up. There's coffee in the back, you'll catch up. You'll catch up. I woke up this morning at about four, because for some strange reason, the alarm, the fire alarm for the hotel went off and stayed on for 43 minutes. And I counted 43 minutes. Welcome to Texas, y'all! <laughs> Yes, I've been awake for a minute. That was my fourth cup of coffee. Okay, Matthew 4, start with verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers, and he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Okay, put your elbow in that portion of scripture, and turn to John chapter 1, and then stay. Stay there when you get to John chapter 1, but keep your elbow in Matthew 4. All right, Father, bless these words today. Thank you for the assembly of the saints. Thank you, God, in these days, beyond Fox News and CNN, we have a word from God. We have a word from God. Breathe. That directs me, guides me, encourages me, protects me, instructs me, and leads me in the perfect way. God bless these words again. Quicken us by your spirit. Enlarge our faith this morning. There's an entire week ahead of us. Enlarge our faith this morning. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Maybe may be seated. I've um, been thinking a lot about practical Christianity. I think this season that we've gone through. Has made many Christians reevaluate their relationship with God, and I think it's been healthy. It's like whenever you move or you shift, you go through all your things in your house, and you don't really know what's in your house. till you get ready to move? You realize I don't need a three-legged chair. I don't need a keyboard that's missing four keys. I have one shoe that's missing the other shoe, and I haven't found the other shoe for seven years. I'm not going to find it, but I keep hoping. So you start getting rid of things. You just started reevaluating and reassessing, right? Paul even says I'm second corinthians thirteen eight examine yourself it 's a kind of a kind of just a holistic look at yourself right they um, have a thought about this in um, psychology called metacognition, which means to think about what you 're thinking about you just kind of evaluate yourself a little bit so i 've been thinking a lot about what it means to be a Christian besides being the pastor of this church what it means to be a christian um, what does he really mean? Uh, theologically, we think about a believer in Christ, someone who's faith-oriented. Um, but then, and that's true. That's very true. But it also we also speak about it in a practical way. A Christian is a follower of Christ, a follower of the things of Christ. Um, and when we think about Christian, we, go, we tend to go practical more than theological. We think about, okay, I'm following Christ, which is why many, many years ago when that, that catchphrase got marketed so well, um, what would Jesus do? It was touching the practicality of being a Christian, the following of Christ, the living for Christ. In a hackneyed way, it tried to help people to walk with God. Um, But a follower of Christ um, affects my personal life. Being a Christian affects my personal life, my practical life. Uh, Peter in Matthew chapter four was just like you and me. In many ways, Peter is just like us. Um, he was living he was walking was trying to survive he's trying to make a living he's living in a fishing town every business and every person that's involved and lives around the Sea of Galilee their life was about the Sea of Galilee the restaurants fed the fishermen the fishermen taught each other fish fishing Um, it was a fishing town have you ever been to a fishing town the entire economy of the town is based upon the sea and so this was no different. So for Peter to be a fisherman, he was an average Joe. He was an average guy in the Sea of Galilee. He wasn't exceptional. He wasn't rare. He was normal. He was a regular guy. That's me and you. Um, and then Christ walks in his life. And you and I, we live regular lives, trying and not always succeeding to do good things, um, trying to t- take care of ourselves. And then Christ walks into your life. Christ walks into your life. You don't look for Christ. Christ walks into your life. Um, So he walks into your life, and he walks into Peter's life, and he challenges him because that's what God does. God is so extraordinary. He's so not regular. He's so not natural. So when Christ or anything of Christ walks in your life, it sticks out. First, it's random because it doesn't connect with anything else in your life. It's rare because you can't compare it to anything. And it's ultra-extraordinary because it's just nothing like it. You just get dumbfounded. Like sometimes when you talk to people, you say, you know, God loves you. They have no idea what that even means. The word God, they have no idea what that is. And then love, they know what that is based on how they've been loved. So that expression doesn't register. It's just like, what do you mean when you say that? What are you trying to communicate? Um, so he, Peter, Jesus Christ walks into his life, challenges him, changes him. And then he says this, follow me. It's one thing to interrupt my regular schedule. You ever ask somebody to do that? Come interrupt your life, interrupt your schedule, say, could you, and then you have to calculate how they're going to, why should I stop what I'm doing to deal with you? But you want me to drop everything and follow you. That's rude. Right? It's rude. It's also intrusive. We're American. We don't like anything, anyone, anything stepping into our life and changing our routines. You change the brand of coffee in the kitchen, it's going to be a fight. You take my parking spot. If there's construction in the road, I've got to go a different route to work. My whole day is ruined. Why? Because I can't drive the way I drive. You know, I used to come to the, let's see, this is Texas. I used to go to Kroger and I would get this on sale at this price. The price has changed. Oh my God, my whole day is ruined. Kroger changed the prices. Everything is different. So we don't do change well. He says, follow me. And then what does that even mean? Follow me. I mean, maybe he's heard these words before. Peter's grown up in a fishing town. Somewhere in his life, someone taught him fishing. He didn't learn that through osmosis. Someone taught him fishing. Someone walked up to Peter and said, maybe he said, follow me. Or he's heard those words before, but not that way. He's, maybe as a child or a young adult, someone walked into his life and taught him a skill, because fishing is not a gift, it's a skill. He had to learn it from somebody. So he had a relative or a father or maybe another fisherman, and maybe hear those words and they said, follow me and I'll give you a trade. Follow me and I'll give you a job. Follow me and you can support yourself. Follow me and you'll be like me. Follow me maybe and you'll be a man, but follow me. So when Christ says these words to Peter, in Peter's mind, he's thinking naturally. He's not thinking spiritually, he's thinking naturally. Like what do you mean when you say follow me? I don't have any natural affiliation with you, we're not close. Um, there's nothing connecting us as friends Um, you're not a fisherman so what exactly are you talking about everybody in this town when it talks about work it talks about fishing our conversations are full of fishing we're not talking about anything else that is the number one profession that's how this whole town eats so when you speak any words to me I'm going to filter that based upon the sea and fishing so when you say follow me I automatically think like that so what do you mean? And notice Christ didn't give him any kind of benefit, like follow me and, you know, I'll teach you a trade. Follow me, you'll perform miracles like I just did. Follow me and uh, you'll speak prophecy. Follow me and you'll heal the sick. Follow me and you'll be spiritual. Follow me and people will like you. Follow me and you'll be successful. Follow me and you won't make mistakes. He didn't promise any of that. He said, follow me. Then he gives this weird benefit. And Luke chapter five one through ten kind of brings this out too. He says, "I'll make you a fisher of men." Okay, the first word I know. I know what it means to fish. In fact, you found me fishing. But of men, what are you talking about? Why would I do that? What is in that for me? That the weird. It's actually a rude request for a weird for a weird benefit. Why would you ask that of me? So when someone comes to you and says. You should walk with God. What does that mean to me? It's the same thing. Christ steps into your regularity. He steps into your life, and he says, follow me. In essence, walk with me. And we're just like Peter. What are you talking about? What does that mean? You know, I work down at the Piggly Wiggly, or I work at Kroger's, or I work over here. I have my routine. I got my Netflix. I got my Instagram. I got all my stuff. I got my little schedules. And you want me to, what do you mean? When you say, follow me, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does that mean? What does it mean? Still got your elbow in Matthew 4, and you turn to John chapter 1? Okay, now John chapter 1 matters. In Matthew 4, when you get, this, you get this, this interaction between Jesus Christ and Peter and his brother, okay, that sounds crazy from him and also for us, but this is not the first time that he's met Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 is the first time he meets Jesus Christ. Now get to your John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, 35 through 42, this is when he first meets Jesus Christ. In fact, from John chapter 1, verse 35 to verse 42, that's only one day. All those verses are describing the activity of one day. Now the previous day... Andrew sees Jesus sees John the Baptist they're walking with John the Baptist they see him and John the Baptist says behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and John the Baptist's disciples kind of get the idea like okay stop following John and start following Jesus there was a handoff and John the Baptist is okay with it and evidently so was Christ and they go over and they start to follow him the next day they see the next day evidently between the two days Andrew went and got his brother which is unusual. But usually when siblings see something great, they don't go tell their brothers. Hey, by the way, you won't believe this guy I that. It doesn't happen too often, but it happened. So he went and got his brother, and then this is where Peter meets Jesus Christ the next day. The next day. Now stay with me here. The next day, here's what happens. The next day, they meet Jesus, and Jesus is maybe a little bit kind of, he's got a little street smarts a little bit. They start following him, and he turns around and says, what do you want, in so many words? Hmm. What, are you, what, are you, what are you looking for? And they're like, where do you stay? Now, why do they ask, where do you live, instead of, can we talk to you? Because hmm. they, they said, we want to have a conversation with you, and we don't want it to be quick. We don't want a side-of-the-road conversation. We want something more serious. Now, they asked him, where are you staying at? Because we want to sit down and talk to you. Now, watch this. This is the Jesus Christ who has no place to lay his head. He doesn't own a house hmm. So as far as I can trace it, he's sleeping somewhere, most likely in Capernaum. So where he, wherever he's sleeping at, he's going to be somewhere in Capernaum. The Bible doesn't say where it could have been a tree we don't even know. But evidently Christ it, I like Christ's challenge. I'm not telling you where I'm at. Follow me and find out. Hmm. Follow me and find out. What? Okay? And they did. And that night, again, in that portion of Scripture is one whole day, they follow him. And it's actually the ninth hour or tenth hour, which is about four o'clock in the evening. So they get to wherever he sleeps at at four o'clock in the evening. The Jewish evening ends at 6 p.m. They got like two more days, and most Jews are not on the street unless they're thieves or soldiers. They're not on the street. So after 6 p.m., they're in a house or wherever they're going to sleep at. So... In that narrow space, wherever they followed Jesus Christ at, they spent the night with Christ. Hmm. Why don't you think about this for a second. Next day, they, spend the, they go their way. Peter met Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, spent the, the afternoon into the evening with him. We don't know what they talked about. He spent the night with Christ. And the next day goes about his business following Jesus Christ I know you got this romantic picture of Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 5 Peter's in his boat, Christ steps in his boat fish come over the side the miracle, follow me oh I'm a sinner, okay I'm going to follow you it doesn't work like that it looks like this this is our relationship with God I have a John 1 experience and nothing happens have you noticed that? The first time you met Jesus, nothing happened. The first time you came to church, nothing happened. The first time you heard the Sunday school, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Here's what I love about God. He just keeps coming. Mm. He just keeps coming. I didn't get it. I came to Pastor Chris's church, and nothing happened. Just keep coming. I I, I read the Bible yesterday. Nothing happened. It's almost like Peter said, wow, we spent the night with you. You're amazing. Have a nice day. I'm going back to fishing. And that's exactly what he did. You had spent the night with Jesus Christ. And great guy. Nice guy. You know, Pastor Chris, you're an awesome guy. Amazing. Awesome guy. Got to go. Thanks so much. (laughs) Next time. Catch you next time. And this is not Pastor Chris. This is Jesus. Are you kidding me? And he goes right back to fishing. And what does Christ do? Are you going to walk away from me? I'm going to step into your boat. That's awesome. I'm going to step into what you think is important because you don't think that I'm important. I'm going to step into what you're import- what's important. And then I'm going to make you important. Three things. When I don't think God is important, he steps into what is important in my life. And then he makes me important. Because in your life, most of the time, what's important to you Does not make you important? Have you noticed that? A place, a relationship, it's very important to you, but the people or the place don't think you're very important. But What God does is he meets me in what I think is so valuable, and then he says, you're valuable. He he elevates my value in the thing that I think is important. And then all of a sudden, what's important doesn't seem so important anymore because God walks in and makes me important by showing me his heart. And that's what happened. Christ steps in, his, stepped into Peter's life and picked the most important part of his identity, being a fisherman, and said, I'm, I'm going to change your identity by giving you value. Because being a fisherman might give you fish and money, but it doesn't give you value. It doesn't give you value. And this is our life with God. What does it mean to be a Christian? First of all, it means, number one, I meet Christ. And maybe I meet Christ, Christ walks into my life in John chapter 1 and maybe nothing happens and maybe for you the John chapter 1 has happened again and again and again and again and nothing's happened I haven't changed nothing's changed in my life no one I, I don't find myself being super holy uh, I'm not making different choices I don't have a Bible the size of a Corolla all of a sudden I'm not in church seven days a week no nothing's happened what's amazing is that nothing's happening God's okay he just comes into your life again. He gives you a Matthew 4 experience right after your John 1 experience. I mean, don't get this, I mean, you read this book, you think these guys all of a sudden said, wow, Christ walked in their life and everything changed. It didn't. The disciples were pretty much the same for a long time. That's why it was so easy later, one, three years later, to live with Jesus for three years straight and then quit was easy. It's easy for folks to walk away from God. It's easy. Following God does not begin with following God. It kind of begins with meeting God. You meet God. He's not in my routines. We all live by routines, and God is not in it. Remember when your parents taught you when little to pray for your food? They were trying to put God in your routines. Because God is not in your routines. You get up with my coffee, not where's my Jesus. Huh? Get in your, you got your routine. I would put, put my pants on first, or my shirt on first, my pants on second, get pressure comb a hairbrush you all have your routines is god in your routines if god is in any of your routines then your routines are not routine anymore they're not routine anymore they're supernatural because god is in it and for peter from now on that boat is not the same because that's where i met jesus christ that boat is not the same anymore. Fishing is not the same. I walked in my life and I've met it, and things have changed. Number two, after I meet God, and maybe I've met him the first time, and there's a second time, I engage him. Now, in John chapter 1, did he not engage Jesus Christ? He did. In John chapter 1, he spent the night with him. You think, oh, I'm sure Jesus Christ persuaded him. They're having conversations. They're talking. Peter, Jesus Christ was like, Peter, you're amazing. In fact, not only did they engage in John chapter 1, he changed his name. He met Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, and Jesus Christ said, you're no longer going to be called Simon. You're going to be called Cephas, which is Peter. He changed his name, and still nothing changed. Wow! You met Jesus Christ, spent the night, he changed your name, thank you, catch you next week at Walmart. Nothing Just in case you think there's going to be this supernatural encounter, I met Jesus Christ, he changed my name, and all of a sudden now I've got a red cross painted on my car, and everything is, no, it might be like Peter. He does something miraculous, miracles may not change you. Hmm. You keep thinking that God's going to put his hand on you and touch you, and all of a sudden, he touched me, and all of a sudden I'm different. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. But God keeps coming. He keeps coming. Better than government taxes, he just keeps coming. (laughs) Just keeps coming. Better than the DMV, he just keeps coming. (laughs) Spent the night with Jesus Christ and changed his name, and still Peter went back a-fishing. Think that through. Wow. So So the first step of walking with God is I meet him, and every day I have the chance to meet God as a Christian. What is it? I'm going to walk. With, I'm going to be a Christian today. I'm going to walk with God. Step one, meet God. Maybe in the morning you didn't meet him or you met him and nothing happened. It's okay. What's the second step? Engage the God that you meet. You know, Pastor, I, I didn't get after it this morning. I kind, of, I kind of caught God around lunch. Okay? God's good with that. Lunch is better than dinner. Right? He engaged him in John 1 and nothing happened. But he engaged him in Luke 5 and Matthew 4 and something happened. See? Engage God. And the third step, I follow the God that I've engaged. So you can't follow God until you engage God. You can't engage God until you meet God. And that's what happened with Peter. He followed God. That's how I live the life of God. Every day I wake up, I meet him. Prayer. Sometimes it might just be a comment. By the way, have, a, have conversational prayers. Stop being so King James in your prayers. God is not impressed with 16th century English. Hi, God. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship, right? Can we have a conversation here? When you see Jesus Christ talking to his Father, there's no thee and thou. There's just hi, hey, heal him, hear me, help me. You see, the way Christ talks to the Father is the way we talk and we pray. It's conversational, it's not full of excuses and explanations because he's God you're kind of foolish trying to explain things to god right Hmm. look god see this is what happened let me tell you what happened because you obviously didn't see it so let me explain to you why i did that God's like really you're going to tell me what i knew you were going to do before you did it sure okay tell me how did it go see this is why i did that i know why you did it let's get beyond what you did is it still me and you can we talk Hmm. god wants conversation Connection is through conversation, right? Engage God. That's why prayer is so good. It's the most practical way to engage God. Prayer. Conversation. So following. So a Christian follows God. And I'll close with this. Maybe your life on a daily basis looks a lot like Peter. Maybe your life, um, you meet God and nothing happens at 8 a.m. You try again at 10 a.m. and nothing happens. You engage him and nothing happens, but at a certain point, you keep initiating to God, and God is going to respond to you, and then he's going to begin to lead you in Romans eight fourteen, and then that's when you start walking with God. Walking with God is not just me waking up trying to obey a God that I have no connection with. Obedience is the fruit of a relationship, not the proof of a relationship. Hmm? So I can obey God and have no relationship with him at all. I go into Walmart and obey their rules I have no relationship with Walmart. Without relationship, there is no real life change. And that's why God puts these things in your life, like a pastor, like the Bible, like the Holy Spirit, like a church, to teach me how to have a relationship with God. Because the one that I'm relating to is the one I follow, by the way. You follow your strongest relationships, whatever that is, whoever they are. That's where it goes. Because your faith follows your focus. I'll close with that. Following. Following. Maybe it takes Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, beautiful verse. As you have received Christ, I met him, I engaged him, I follow him, so walk ye in him. I keep meeting him every day, I keep engaging him every day, I keep following him every day. I wrote down a few thoughts this morning since I was awake for 43 minutes with an alarm. What it means to follow God, number one, it is about interaction, not imitation. Number one. Number two, It's not about rules. It's about relationship. Number three. I don't follow him because of what he will do for me. I follow him because of who he is towards me. Number four. I follow God not to learn so much what I possess. It's it's not about possessing. It's about pursuing. Pursuing God. Following is about pursuit, not about possession. And number five. Um, following God is not always the safest way it's not always the shortest way it's not always the fastest way so when you follow God in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 2 it might look like the long way you're looking for a shortcut and there's no shortcut to following God it's a journey and what happens with the journey is at the beginning you're looking at the goal but as you Walk with God. You don't even care where it's going anymore. You're just happy with who you are. We see that in relationship. You know, you, you get in a relationship with someone, it's about where you're going with this person. But after a while, you're so in love with this person, you're just content to be where you are. Maybe you're not going anywhere. I've seen my, I thought see my grandmother and my grandfather, and they sit beside each other on the porch. And uh, it was funny to me. Uh, they wouldn't be talking. They'd just be sitting there. They found joy in just sitting beside each other. They were just content with the presence of each other. And that is the end of love, is when you just enjoy being with that person. There's no itinerary, there's no goal, there's no schedule. It's just me and you. It's just me and you. But how do you get to that place? It begins with walking with God. We've been talking about that a lot yesterday. What does it mean to walk with God? It means I'm learning how to process my life with God. I've got my routines, God is now here, and the measure that God is involved in the routines of my life, walking with God, it becomes routine in my life. It becomes a lifestyle, like in Luke chapter 4, 18, when it says Christ went, he went to church, basically, he went to the tabernacle, it says, as was his habit. He had spiritual habits. No matter what happened, he says, I'm going there. I'm Jesus Christ, and I see the need for spiritual habits. He's in my routine. God is in my routine. He prayed a lot to his father, as was his routine. He included people, and he prayed by himself. That was his routine. That was his habit. Because when you're in a relationship with someone, suddenly they change your habits. Have you noticed that? You, okay, I, like, I, I used to eat dinner at four, but now I'm in this relationship with this person. They, we eat dinner at six. So my habits have changed. You see that often in the beginning of a marriage you know, you've been single, and oh my God, and when you're single, you don't know how selfish you are till you get married. You want everything your way. Then <laughs> You get married, someone else walks in and says, why is that there? I always keep it there. Let's move it. Why would you want to move it? All of a sudden, like, huh? Your, your, your rhythm is messed up because all your routines are changed. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ. He gets in your life, and all of a sudden, he's like, that guy's not a good friend. I've known him for 35 years. He's not a good friend. you can't go, come on now gotta go, okay small by small your life starts, I've always gone there that place is not good for you, really? no, it's not good for you, are you sure? yeah, I'm sure okay you start picking up things you didn't pick up before you start letting go of things, why? because of the relationship and the most dominant relationship in your life is Jesus Christ, we sing that right, we claim that But when I start living that, everything changes. It's like Peter, his whole life changed because he met Jesus Christ, right? And I love this part in John 1. It didn't take the first time. So if you're struggling out there today and you feel like it's not taken, take time. Relax, it's coming. It's coming. You could be stuck in John 1 and your Matthew 4 is coming. Your your Luke 5 is coming. There's going to be a day when Christ is going to step in your boat and everything is different. But in the meantime, oh, thank you, Pastor Chris. That's nice. Appreciate the church. Appreciate you. Sure. But in your heart, you're going, nothing is happening inside. There hasn't been this earth-shaking change. Oh, my God. You hear other people give you the testimony. You're like, that wasn't me. I wasn't a guy who was like, well, you know, I met Jesus and all of a sudden my hair turned blue and the car flipped over and everything. He came in my bedroom and touched my bed. Oh, I didn't have that. Was, you would say to yourself, that wasn't my experience. I got saved in crickets. Just nothing happened. Uh, is something wrong with me? Don't raise your hand. How many of you got saved the second time because you didn't see the change the first time? Don't raise your hands. You, you chose Christ and then nothing changed. You said, I didn't do something right. Let me do it again. And then nothing changed. You're like, I didn't raise my hand high enough. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. You're like, is it me? Because I know he's real. Am I doing something wrong? Let me do something physical to manifest, to prove that I'm still the same guy. What happened? Take time. Let God work. He's still coming, and he's gonna keep coming says, as son says, love ridiculously, he comes after you ridiculously. He just keeps coming. It's you again? Really? Yeah. It's me again. Really? Yeah. It's hundreds of boats on the Sea of Galilee, and the guy that we spent the night with comes and steps into my boat. He could have stepped in any boat. He stepped in my boat. Gives me the catch. And then gives me the statement. But I'm the guy that deserted you. And I'll de- by the way I'll desert you again, John twenty one. Wow! And I'm still coming. That's amazing. I'm still coming because I love you, and I'm after you. Mm-hmm. And when you meet me, and in Revelation three twenty, I sup with you and you sup with me. We have connection. We have communion. Yes. Then I'll follow you anywhere. Wow! I follow you anywhere because yes. you're the guy in my life who saw me as I was and kept coming. People love to quit on you, don't they? Even family doesn't shut you down. Like, yeah, he's always been that way. He's been a problem, yeah. (laughs) she? Yeah, I know. We don't even invite her to functions anymore. She's just a train wreck. (laughs) God's like this. I'm okay with train wreck. I'm going to keep coming. Just keep coming, right? Keep knocking, keep coming. You don't think much of it Small by small. Huh? Small by small. Exodus 23:30 I will drive the enemy out bit by bit. I just keep coming. Just keep coming. And all of a sudden, he takes over territory over territory of your experience. And all of a sudden, you don't think it's special to go to church, it becomes regular. Prayer, the Bible, all those things. Your friendships will change. And you're not even trying to obey God. You're walking with God, and the fruit of that is obedience. The fruit of that relationship is obedience, not the goal. Jesus didn't die so you would obey the Bible. He died so that you would know God. Hmm. And when you know God, you will obey the Bible. In measure, through time, you will. My prayer for you this morning is that today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life, you will continue to meet God right where you are. As you are. I'm not asking you to change anything. Just be courageous enough to meet him. Get to know him. Trust him. And as you learn him, you'll trust him. And then you find yourself following him. And then you're going to want to be where he is. You're going to want to be where he is. And it will change your life. And that's a Christian. That's a follower of Christ. That's how we get there. Amen? Amen. 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 Father, bless these words in your son's name. Amen. That was fantastic.